This is a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z-Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor, I just play doctor online. I figured I'd start off the show with uh, another update on my mother, if you guys don't mind. Um, it's nothing terrible. I'm going to say that right at the beginning. Although, it doesn't mean that it's not of a concern at all. Uh, it just means it's nothing terrible. <laughs> okay? Um, last week I told you about how she had been in transition care after a surgical procedure that kind of thing. And she got out last uh, the Tuesday before the Easter weekend, and she was doing okay. Uh, she had a good night's sleep, or a couple few good night's sleeps. And on Friday, she met with her regular doctor. She was doing fine. I mean, as fine as a woman of the age of 81 who has not been very physically active for the last 30 years or so, and maybe carrying a little bit more weight than she should. Uh, she was doing fine. Saturday, Holy Saturday, I think that's what the Catholics call it. I should know. I was raised Catholic, but I've forgotten. But anyway, Saturday, she was feeling a little out of sorts. Eh, like a cold was coming on, but nothing nothing that worried her. Sunday morning, 4 a.m., she said she woke up with just this terrible heartburn or this indigestion, just right... Uh, you know, like the center of her torso, you know, if you go down, uh, just, um, uh, at the, just at about the bottom of the rib cage, top of the stomach area, area, right there. That's, it's just, uh, she said it was off and on all day long, really bad. Uh, I don't know if she had any antacids in the house. I don't think she did. And she just kept waiting or, or and hoping to burp a few times to maybe get this to go away. Now she, so I mean, she was trying to tough it out. Well, one o'clock in the morning, uh, Monday morning, Sunday night, depending on how you look at it, I got a phone call. It was my dad, and he was saying, "I'm taking your mom into the hospital. Can you come with us to kind of help out?" And I said, "Yeah, sure, absolutely." And I. I was dozing on the couch. I was listening to music, laptop going with my Spotify, and was listening to music. And uh, uh, from about 11 till 1 o'clock, I was doing that. And I was dozing through there. Maybe not real deep sleep, but... Well, Dad got there. We got to the hospital. And to kind of hurry things along here, uh, they they did a CT scan and some blood tests. and And what they found through the CT scan was that she didn't have a, a, an obstructed bowel, but her, her, her 
bowels were moving fairly slowly, and that may have been the cause of this bad indigestion. But the other thing they found was, uh, and they were managing her pain at this point. They gave her some, I can't remember the name, Dilaudim, 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 whatever, Dilala. They were giving her that pain medication. And Dilaudid, is that it? Anyway, they gave her that, and it, it worked. See, she wasn't in pain. But what they found in the blood work was there's an enzyme in there, and I don't know which particular kind of enzyme it is, but what the doctor was telling her is that it was a little bit elevated, and when they see that, they get concerned that there might be something going on with the heart. Well, and mom finds out, well, we're going to admit you into the hospital, and mom was not happy about that. She had some moments dealing with that, but... Uh, uh, by about 8 o'clock that morning, she got up to her room. So Dad and I had been <laughs> not sleeping, uh, trying to doze a little bit while while she was, you know, while we're waiting. But anyway, uh, after Mom got up to her room, Dad got me to work, and I, I did my best to get through the day. But, um, you know, it was funny. We got to the room, and it's the same hospital she was in before when she had her surgical procedure. In fact, it was the same area of the hospital where she had it. Uh, and it, it, the room that she had. It was the same floor, the same section of the floor. <laughs> it was three doors down from the room she was in before. So the morning nurse uh, that was getting mom taken care of, and then she had an assistant nurse helping out, like a student nurse, I think. She says to my dad, well, I remember you. She looked at me and went, I don't remember you. Uh, you must be one of the other brothers. And I said, yeah, I'm the brother that gets the call in the middle of the night. She saw my older brother, my younger brother, but you know, she didn't see me. And anyways, um, so she she's home now. Uh, but the, the concern they had was that when she was at rest, her oxygen levels were fine. But she would get up and move around, and they'd drop right down. So she's on oxygen at home. They said they found some fluid around the heart. Um, I don't know how terribly concerning that is. If, I mean, if it may be something they can clear up, I don't know. Uh, I guess the heart's not working well with the lungs. The left lung, just fine. The right lung, not well. So that's, you know, so she's not getting full air. And we'll see what can be done there. She's going to meet with the cardiologist soon and, and all that. But at least she's home. She's not happy about having an oxygen tank. Yet they have a machine there that fills the tanks with oxygen. It's really cool. Uh, so, and they have that in the house now with this enough tube tubing to get her from the kitchen to the living room to her bedroom to the bathroom down the hall to her little uh, TV room uh, next to the bathroom. So she's got enough to get through. Uh, anyway, so that's that's where it's at. Uh, she's not happy about it, but. I, what you know? What can you do? She's 81. She hasn't been very physically active for 30 plus years. Carrying a little extra weight. Yeah, you know things are. You know what are you gonna do? Anyway, um, my wife asked me on Thursday uh, when I told her that mom's home and gave her the stuff. She says she my my wife asked me how are you doing. And I said, I'm okay, knowing what she was getting at. Because my wife, she's lost both her parents. Her mother, a little over four years ago. Her father, just this past October. So, you know, she has told me that there are times when she, she thinks to herself, i got to talk to my mom about this, about something. And then realizes she can't. And 
I can't feel so good. And I had a flash of that when I was coming home. Uh, after When Dad got her home on Thursday, he called me as I was on my way home. He says, can you stop by the house? He needed me to help him with something to make room for the machine that we're bringing down later. Uh, and as I was driving home from there, I thought, I had that flash of that feeling that Amy gets where she you know, wants to talk to her parents, but she can't. I mean, she could. I mean, she can, but, you know, they're not going to talk back because they're gone. You know, that's just how it is. Uh, she, um, I, well, I, I thought to myself, you know, I'd like to talk to my mom about my, what my mom's going through. You know, get my, get my advice, get advice from her on how to deal with it. But that's not quite something I can do because she's going through it. So it's, it's just a little bit. So, and of course, it makes you cognizant of the fact that both my parents, it makes me cognizant of it, that my parents are in their 80s and things happen in that end of life. <laughs> that end of the age, the timeline. Uh, and again, end of life. So, we'll see. And I figured I'd just let you know. Thanks for indulging me. Uh, but she's home and she's happy to be home even though she's not happy about the oxygen. All right, I want to have a little fun on tonight's show. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about the Ten Commandments. Now, I don't mean the actual Ten Commandments. Uh, I've talked about that before on the show. I've mentioned how the Ten Commandments are, are missing something. You know, the commandment that says, Thou shalt not uh, rape. Thou shalt not keep slaves. Thou shalt not abuse your children, those didn't make it on there. Because, you know, God was too concerned with having, thou shalt have no other God than me, no graven images, uh, you keep holy the Sabbath, and don't use my name in vain. He had to take up the first four commandments for him. Didn't have room for not raping and having slaves and not hurting children. Couldn't, couldn't squeeze those in because it just wasn't that important to him, or, I should say, the Bronze Age people who made up the Ten Commandments. All right. <clears throat> and made up the whole Moses story and all that, which I touched on last week. But uh, no, I don't want to go into all that again. What I want to go into is the movie, The Ten Commandments. Because it was on last Saturday. And I was going to make it a movie recommendation, but it was too late because it was already on. So um, I watched it. And I, I, it's just, <laughs> it's so incredibly bad, but so great. I mean, the production values for the movie, it's 1956 is when it was re released. The production value, those values are awesome. Uh, it, you know, for that time, it's a spectacle film. They, they, I think their budget was like $13 million. And in 1956, that was like $100 trillion or something like that. And, you know, equivalent in our dollars today, you know, inflation. You know how that works. But it, and it made a ton of money, and it was on TV every year uh, during the Easter weekend, you know, for Passover. Uh, but we would watch it. We're not Jewish, but we'd watch it, and because it's part of our Bible too, Christians, you know, being Catholics, being raised that way. I must have seen the movie, I don't know, thirty times. I used to have it on on videotape. 
It was two tapes because it was such a long movie. The movie is three hours and 40 minutes. Now, one place says that's with an, inter uh, the, an intermission. So I don't know how much more time that would take off if you take the intermi intermission off. But three hours, 40 minutes. Now, I don't know exactly what time the movie went on last Saturday, whether it was 6 o'clock or 6.30. If it was, but it didn't end until quarter to twelve. <laughs> if it started at six, that was damn near six hours. Otherwise, it was you know like six, like five and three quarter hours, or maybe five and a quarter hours if it started at six thirty. I don't know which. I didn't catch it right away. I started watching it at seven or whatever. And. That's nuts. I mean, let my people go, ABC. <laughs> what are you doing? It's, it's two hours worth of commercials? Or an hour and a half worth of commercials? What? what? That's insane. Why do people put up with that? I mean, because the movie is, like I said, it's a spectacle. It's just great. And I said last week, you know, everybody speaks in poetry and it's all this kind of stuff. But I wanted to dig in a little bit on this thing. Because there's just, I don't know, of course, this isn't all in the biblical account of the, you know, the fairy tale story about the parting the sea and Moses freeing the slaves that didn't exist in Egypt. Oh, I know there are people that will disagree with me. I have a good friend who would say, well, you know, it might have been there. <laughs> it might have happened. Well, maybe, but... Eh. I don't think so. We don't really have any historical evidence of it other than the Bible. And that's if that's that's the only word you got. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Now I have to tell you some of the story, so bear with me here as I go through this. Uh, at some point back in the old days, <laughs> back then in olden times in e ancient Egypt, uh, there was a pharaoh named Ramsey the First. He is told by his his priests, who apparently were consulting their magic eight balls, and they saw this prophecy saying that, uh, or they got this information that, uh, born just recently in the Hebrew section of town, uh, was this uh, Hebrew slave kid that would grow up to destroy Egypt, take the slaves away, or whatever. So what did the Pharaoh think to do? Let's kill all the newborn males. Don't worry about the females, because they're just going to be girls, and they'll grow up to be women, and all they are is baby factories. We don't care about them. They're not going to do anything, right? Right? I mean, well, this is what, you know... The, the, the account of when this may have happened, there's a couple of uh, years. They say it might be 1440 BCE or 1290 BCE. But, you know, that's a long-ass time ago. And the movie was made in the 50s, so the women weren't treated so hot then either. Okay. Well, the slaves get wind of this. And there's this one named Yoshebel. She already has a, a son and a daughter. There's no mention of a husband. I don't know what you know. Maybe he died or something. But she just had a baby. Yeah, I don't know. But there's no mention of him. Uh, she just had this baby that turns out that ends up being Moses. 
Because you have to say the name that way. Moses! Nobody ever said, hey, Mo! Hey, Mo! I said a nyuck, nyuck. Okay, that's a bad joke. Anyway, um, she decides that she'd rather put this baby, wrap him up in a blanket, put him in a basket, close the lid, and float it out onto the Nile. She'd rather risk him uh, drowning or being eaten by a crocodile, or just slowly starving to death, rather than getting his slit cut by one of the uh, pharaoh's soldiers. But she does send her daughter out to watch and see where the basket goes. Well, the basket ends up going to this riverfront property of the, uh, of the pharaoh. And uh, one of the pharaoh's daughters, uh, what's her name, uh, Bithia, is hanging out with a bunch of other palace gals and this old slave woman who's like the head slave in the house uh, named Memnet. And so they're all frolicking around the waters and, and Bithia's out there and she sees this, this basket come up. Nobody else sees it at this point. She finds the basket, she opens it up, looks in there and there's a baby in there. And... She, it just so happens she wanted to have a baby in the worst way, but for some reason she couldn't. Like she, she must have been praying to the Egyptian gods, and she takes this as a sign that the gods are saying, here's your baby. So she decides to keep it. She tells Memnet to send all the girls away, but to come back and help him, uh, help her. So Memnet gets everybody away. She comes back. Now remember, Memnet's a, sw- a slave. She's a slave. Why she's worried about this, I don't know. But Bithia decides to keep this baby. She says, I'm going to name him Moses. Uh, and and Bithia takes this little bit of blanket that he was in. It's, it's a certain pattern to it that shows it being Hebrew. And she keeps that. And Bithia raises, you know, somehow she convinces everybody that she had the baby. Maybe she went away for a little while, comes back and says, look what happened. Hey, miracle. I got a baby. So she raises it as her son. Now the uh, uh, pharaoh, it's the Ramses dies, and a new pharaoh shows up, uh, Seti. That's his name, Seti the First or something. He's the guy that's really interested in finding in- intelligent uh, extraterrestrial life. Uh, he's well, Seti. <laughs> um, he's now pharaoh, and he has a son, Ramses. So Ramses and Moses are, are heir to the throne. One of them's going to get it. And whichever one gets the throne gets the girl. Oh, there's a girl played by Ann Baxter, and that's Nefertiri. Nefertiri? Nefertiri? Whatever. Anyway, it's her. right Now, she and Moses are boyfriend and girlfriend. It's, so that's going to go, you know, that's, just, that's how she wants it. But Ramses, he's determined he's going to be Pharaoh. And he's, Moses is great. He's magnanimous and wonderful and terrific. He makes uh, allies out of enemies. He gets these cities built. He treats the slaves well. He gives them a day of rest every seven days. He feeds them. You know, he's and he so you know because he tells the pharaoh he says when you make bricks you know you need the slaves to make bricks to make your cities you know the the strong make many the weak make few and the dead make none see how they all talk in poetry so Moses is you know he's the guy that's going to be pharaoh and he's got one ass cheek on the throne but Ramses yeah you know, he's sure he's going to get it but I'm sure. 
I'm going to head to my first break. I'll get more into this because I enjoy it. I, what can I say? I enjoy it. So uh, I'll, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the Z uh, Talk Radio Network, and I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. I'll be back with a little more Ten Commandments talk. Then I got some other stuff, and you know, you know how it goes. Uh, well, I'll be right back. Shouting all about love Well, they cheated you like a dog, baby For the one who had made it so clear All those Station identification You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network Operating frequency On ztalkradio.com Hi, I'm Amanda Pete. Like all new parents, my husband and I want what's best for our baby When it was time for our daughter's immunizations, we wanted the facts. So we carefully researched vaccines. We spoke with doctors and other experts and asked some tough questions. We decided the vaccines were the best thing for our child. I urge you to get the facts. Learn the facts about vaccines so you can make the best healthcare decisions for your family. Thank you. A message from the American Academy of Pediatrics and vaccinateyourbaby.org. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. Get him some Z's. Get him some Z's. Get him some Z's. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Listen to Z Talk Radio. On ZTalkRadio.com. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on Z-Talk Radio Network. Looking up there too. What the hell? I've and you know why are you talking? And I don't know what it is that hovers over Dr. Dim's house, but it was strong enough to punch a hole into this world and take his wallet away from mm-hmm. him. And I think what we might be dealing with is the beast. Hold on. Did you just say that Dr. Dim doesn't believe in poltergeist? I don't. Tiny fortune tellers? Nope. Well, the beast? There are tiny fortune well, tellers, but I don't believe they can tell fortunes. Hey, 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 what are you swearing for? I do that. Anyway, Dr. Dim's a skeptic. That's true. He'll be right back on <laughs> hey. ZTalkRadio.com. Yes, that's right. You Still know, when, I don't know how that got in there, but just roll with it. Wasn't that fun? I got to talk about one of my sounders. How did they, How did you get in there, Tangina? That's the name of the character in that, that movie, Poltergeist, where that's, you know, Pulled, you know, sort of pulled from. That was cool. The the, the woman who made that for me, uh, she just made that one for me. I didn't ask her to put that one together. She said, she she that that one and there's one uh, that's uh, called Wrong Answer. Uh, I'll play that maybe next week. Uh, she made that one too. Just 
just for the hell of it, for me. It wasn't the other ones that I have uh, that that I've I wrote those and said here, would you you know do these when you hear her voice doing them. Uh, but those two, she did gratis. Just man, she, would you like these? And I said yeah, those are great. And she so she gave them to me. So that was Winnie. And uh, thank you, Winnie. She used to listen to the show. I don't know what she's doing these days. But hey, things go happen. We move on. Okay, let's get back to. Uh, that movie I was talking about, The Ten Commandments. Now, <clears throat> Moses is raised as though he's an Egyptian. The only people who know at this point in the film are Bithia, his mother, uh, and Memnet, the, the, the head slave lady, and his real mother, Yoshebel, and his uh, brother and sister, uh, Aaron and Miriam, I think is their names. Those are the only people that know. I mean, one would presume his father knows, but his father never shows up, you know, took off or something, or, or died, who knows. And, and, the, and, the, and, these, and the slaves, the three Hebrew slaves, who's going to believe them? And they've kept quiet about it. They haven't said anything. And she knows that's her, that's her son, uh, she had to, you know, because uh, uh, they were able to find the mother, because they found because I guess Bithia must have spotted the sister watching what's going on. So they said, okay, who's the mother? And so they could bring Moses over to her so he could be nursed. You know, so his mother, but you know, you guys swear you to secrecy. You can't tell nobody because I'll kill you. Because <laughs> we can do that because you're a slave. <laughs> See, anyway, and they're royalty, so they can do whatever they want. Uh, well, Moses is raised. He's wonderful, magnanimous, and terrific. And, and Ramses, his quote-unquote brother, is a kind of a jerk face. And it, you know, it's obvious Moses is going to be is going to be Pharaoh. He's got, like I said, he's got one butt cheek on the on the uh, on the throne. So there's a scene where the girlfriend, Moses' girlfriend, Moses. His girlfriend is uh, trying on scarves, and she's talking to her friends that are hanging around about, "Oh, this is what I'll wear when I on my wedding night with Moses." And Memnet shows up. She walks in. Who, who does Memnet go to with this information? Does she go to Ramses, who who would would eat this information up and definitely? oust Moses because he wants to be Pharaoh? No, no, no. She doesn't go to him. She goes to the girlfriend. What? So she says to the girlfriend, Moses isn't going to be Pharaoh. And, yeah, what do you mean he isn't going to be Pharaoh? Of course he's going to be Pharaoh. He's Moses. And she says, well, he was a, he, he was a Hebrew slave. He was born a Hebrew slave. And she tells her all this stuff. And, and Nefertiri believes her. Or Nefertiti, whatever her name is. She believes her. right? And then and, and, and Memnet has that little bit of the blanket. Shows it to her. See, huh? This is what he was swaddled in, and you know, Nefertiri tries to be tough and says, "You know, you keep your mouth shut." And then she ends up chasing the old lady slave off camera, and I guess pushes her off the balcony and kills her. Fine, it's over. No worries. No one's gonna know. So now, it, you know, another person knows. It's the girlfriend. She knows. But we got rid of the slave that knows. And then why the slave? felt wrong about a, a Hebrews being a, a, a pharaoh. What, what, I don't get... What, what? Why? What's your motivation? Aren't you Hebrew? Are, are you a slave from some other group of people? Anyway, 
they never explain that. She's just so, I mean, she's so into the Stockholm Syndrome, probably. Anyway, Moses shows up just moments after Memnet takes the dive off the balcony. Now Moses doesn't know this, of course. He wants to come over and canoodle with his girlfriend. And they are doing this on the couch. And in walks somebody saying, hey, the old slave lady's dead. And Nefertiri doesn't care. But Moses, being magnanimous, he says, oh, what's going on? Let's go find out. And he stands up. He starts walking away. And his girlfriend's following him. He says, oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And there on the floor, dropped during the struggle, is that bit of blanket. And... Moses picks it up and says, what's this? <laughs> he recognizes that the, the, the weaving pattern on there is, is, a, is a Levite, which is one of the groups of the Hebrew people. And yeah, he realizes that it's you know a slave blanket or cloth rag or whatever. And Nefertiri can't think of a lie. She can't, she can't even just say, I don't know, cleaning rag? I'll have uh, some of my slave uh, slaves whipped for leaving that land on the floor. No, no, she spills the beans, and of course Moses, well, he has a crisis of, of identity, so he decides to drop out of being prince and just kind of go on a little sabbatical, uh, just to check out how the Hebrews are being treated as a Hebrew. So he, he just shows up as a slave, and he starts doing all their tasks and seeing the cruelty that they put up with, which, you know, is terrible, of course. And he's in this mud pit, dancing in the straw into the mud so they can make bricks. Nobody recognizes him. I'm not surprised the slaves don't recognize him, but you would think some of the slave masters would recognize their prince, but of course he's a bit messy, and he's let his beard grow a bit and all that. But somebody does recognize him, and she recognizes him from a distance. His girlfriend. She just happened to be going through the brick pits area. Why? I don't know. <laughs> and she spots Moses. She doesn't let on to anybody else who it is. But we know, he knows, she knows who it is. And she's, she arranges so that Moses gets sent to her, her barge so that uh, she can find out what the hell's going on. And they start talking about things. And they start to canoodle again because they love each other. You know, Moses doesn't realize he's Moses yet. Um, well, at least not, you know, he doesn't realize he's God's vessel yet. And... They don't quite canoodle because he's all covered in mud, but they want to. And she spills some perfume on him to get him to not stink so bad. And here's where she talks sense to him. And I was watching this, and I thought, yeah, your girlfriend is right. Listen to her. She says to him, essentially, nobody knows. The only people who know are me, your mother, Bithia, and the three slave people. And they've held their tongues for 20-something years, however old Moses is at this, at this point. They've held their tongues, and besides, if they say anything, no one's going to believe them, and we'll kill them. Because <laughs> we can do that, because we're royalty and they're slaves, and that's the benefit of having slaves. You can kill them if you want, and it's the benefit of being royalty. You can get away with it. And Moses doesn't say, huh, yeah, that's true. And then she says, and you're almost Pharaoh. It's just, when Seti dies, you're going to be Pharaoh. He wants you to be Pharaoh. So play along. And when you become Pharaoh, you can free them if you want. And he could free them in a way that wouldn't destroy the economy of Egypt. 
because the economy of Egypt is built, at least in part, large part, on slavery. So if he could work out a way to free them from their bondage, so they're not treated like that, but could you guys keep working for us and we'll pay you and you can own property and you can, you know, I mean, he could do that and he wouldn't destroy the economy of Egypt he, he, and he wouldn't have to, oh, you see what starts to happen? God starts whispering in his ear. See, because God of the Old Testament is a bloodthirsty son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm sorry to be so blunt, but he is. And he wants his pound of flesh. I'm going to get dead people, and you're going to do it my way. You're not going to be feral. You're going to stay a slave, and they're going to find out, and you're going to go find a burning bush, and I'll tell you to go back to Egypt and visit upon them all these plagues and days of no sun and bloody water and and then to top it off I'll get to kill a bunch of people the firstborns I'll get to kill them see you know now of course Moses doesn't realize he's you know whispering this in his ear that God is doing but you know God works in mysterious ways <laughs> and, and so that's what Moses ends up doing. He ends up not getting cleaned up and going back to being a prince and just wait. And you know, try to do. He'd already made life a little better for the slaves as it was. He could still try to do that because Seti was was kind of impressed that well, geez, you know, he does get results out of these guys. Maybe we should let him do what he's been doing. He could do that and then become Pharaoh and free them. Huh? Wouldn't that be great? He was, she was talking sense to him, but God hardened his heart. Huh? Oh, jeez. And one more thing <laughs> about uh, about the uh, the movie as I watched it. One more thing that I noticed. And now, it's time for a Dimland Radio Pedantic Moment. Yeah, this ought to be good. Well, it's just a little thing. Not that, not that big. But um, there was a shot, one shot, in this three hours, 40-minute extravaganza, stretched out to almost six hours, where they showed the pyramids... You know, you know the pyramids, the Egyptian pyramids. You know, the ones built by the aliens, right? Because there's no way human beings, especially brown people, could build such structures. No way. They needed to have aliens help them. Anyway, the pyramids, the shot of the pyramids, and I, like I said before, I must have watched this thing 30 times, maybe even more, and I never noticed this. It was a it was a current to 1957 six 56 shot of the pyramids, which means they looked well like they look now. They didn't they didn't look like they would look uh, in 1440 BCE or 1290 BCE, whichever. The pyramids were finished being built in 1700 BCE, around about there. So it had only been a couple hundred years to maybe 400 years 
at that point, they should have looked pretty good. But no, they, they, they looked like they do now. <laughs> and I, it, I know, it's just a little thing. It's not, the, it's, it's not that big, but it's like, well, they, they look like they look now. They should, they should look better than that. Because I mean, yeah. when the pyramids were finished back in the day, they were. It was a smooth surface. Uh, the, what 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 I've learned is that uh, it's believed that they were uh, white, and they would in sunlight they would just beam. You know, they would reflect the sunlight and be just just reflect and 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 just be this, this spectacular sight. And I think they were topped with gold. I think. I don't know for sure, but they certainly did, didn't look like. They look now. But, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> Who's going to notice that? Just some pedant sitting there watching this movie. Uh. <sighs> now, less fun. And then there's these two assholes. Oh, my goodness. I will share this with you guys. Go to the... Uh, show notes page which is at dimland.com and click on the blog option and you'll get to the show notes and by the way you can subscribe to this podcast or radio show however we look at it on itunes just it's just look for dimland radio it's right there or you can go to podbean and follow you can do that and uh, if you would give me a good review and five stars that'd be cool uh but you can check out the show notes and i'll i'll put a link to this thing i'll find a way to do it uh, Vice.com put together this this piece that shows two absolute shitheads. Uh, just the shittiest of shitty people that you can think of. They're, I mean, they're close to that. I mean, maybe there's a few that might be a little shittier. But these guys... It's a guy and a gal. Um, they're false flaggers. And they're, they are extreme false flaggers. They don't believe in any of these mass shootings. They think they're all you know, false flag operations. It's crisis actors. Nobody's been killed. It's been done by the government in order to do something. To come and take your guns. Still got your guns? Yeah. They come to, come to take your guns or whatever they want to push on us. The New World Order thing. I don't know. And these people, they're conspiracy theorists. They're deep into their mania. They can't understand reality. They think they are seeing something. They, they feel, from what I've been learning, they feel special. Like they have special knowledge that most other people don't have. That... They're in on something. That that's part of the allure of conspiracy theory. And we're seeing more conspiracy theorists than we used to. Uh, somebody in the comment thread for this video was saying, well, it's because of Trump being elected and they're all feeling emboldened. And that might have some bearing on it. But it's I think it's more likely the, just the Internet. Because the Internet, I, I've heard skeptics talking about the internet uh in finding podcasts and finding skeptical websites and groups on facebook and other social media th platforms and saying 
wow, I'm not the only one. There's other people out there. There's more like me. Same thing with conspiracy theorists. They're finding the websites. They're finding the podcasts. I'm sure they're conspiracy theory podcasts, right? Alex Jones, who's on Z Talk Radio, he's the king of all false flaggers, except for him. It's a bullshit act. It's just he just puts it on so he can sell you his snake oil crap. That's what he does, folks. He said in court, it's an act. I put on this persona. He said that in court, under oath. Anyway, so they said, there's people out there that think like me. So that might be what's emboldening them. It's emboldening skeptics. It's making us feel like, hey, we're not the only ones, and we can work to try to make a more rational world. And the conspiracy theorists are thinking the same thing. They think they're making, they're trying to make a more rational world. But they're nuts. And I'll tell you more about these assholes when I come back from this break. Uh, is that the right setup? Do I have it all correct? Good, good. You're listening to Dimland Radio, Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'll return after this break. Oh, got a little winded. Mm. Well, I'll be hornswoggled. You're listening to Z-Talk, Radio Network. You don't say. Oh, what, you think you went off to college or something? On ztalkradio.com. That's the most amazing thing since Grandma survived the outhouse incident. Pushing the rock of reason up the hill of paranormal. It's Dr. Dim, and you're listening to Dimland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network. First, there came radio, and it was good. Then it got bad. Then there came satellite radio, and it was okay. Then it got too expensive and kind of sucked. Now there is something new, something better, something free. Stitcher Radio for the iPhone and Blackberry. With Stitcher, you can hear all the shows and podcasts you can imagine. Rate them and build your own station. No downloading, no syncing, no problem. Just pick a station to get started, like American news and politics. Now, look at the shows you have to pick from. Pick one and start listening. Like it, make a favorite, and start your own station. Don't like it, thumb it down and say bye-bye to shows like it. Or thumb it up to find more like it. Plus, you can search and find your favorite podcasts. We have over a thousand shows to pick from. Stitcher Radio, the natural evolution in audio listening. And it's free.
Talk Radio is committed to bringing you the best radio possible. We will test your senses with innovative and entertaining radio programming. Honest, informative, inspirational, and on occasion, controversial. Our listening audience will also have the opportunity to interact with the show hosts and guests through live chat and call-in capabilities. You can't be left out of the loop. Tune into all our live shows once and you'll never turn your computer off again. Z-Talk Radio on your computer dial. Your healthy addiction. Z-Ball! Welcome back to Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, and it's uh, talking about these two shit-stained assholes down there in, uh, well, they're in uh, Suther- no, Sutherland Springs, Texas. They are, uh, it's, a, it's a man and a woman, and I'm not saying their names, they go by aliases anyway. Uh, they are false flaggers, and what had happened... Uh, back in November of 2017, uh, at the First Baptist Church there in Sutherland Springs, Texas, a gunman went in and shot and killed 26 people. Uh, he wounded 20 others. And one of the 26 people that he killed was the pastor's daughter. One of his daughters. Uh, one of his kids. And... <clears throat> You watch this video. The pastor is in the video, and they show they show these two shit stains talking about uh, you know how it's a false flag and all this you know the, the the pastor is a crisis actor and all these people are just putting it on and it's not it's not real. It didn't happen. They can't prove it. And the two of them go to the church property, and there's a fence and there's a banner and some other kinds of memorials set up on the fence, and it's one of those chain link fence things, and and there's there's crosses along the side of the of the road by the church and these these two are just there they got websites they harass people they just go through all the stuff um, trying to uh, I guess prove their point that it didn't happen but it did happen those of us who live in the real world it did happen and this this pastor is a guy that looks like he's in his 40s or so, I tell you, his patience, his his restraint is admirable. Uh, he, you know, at first, you know, it's okay. So there's there's these people, these two, they're on the property of the church, and they're talking about how it didn't happen and all this kind of stuff. They're talking to a, a camera crew, you know, that it's it's professionally done. It's not like they're doing it themselves. It's like somebody's following them, but I'll talk about that in a moment. And the pastor pulls up in his truck, and he gets out, and they're all happy to see him. Goes, oh, there he is! And he shakes his hand, and he's let me tell you, and he's very happy at first. And then he turns on the pastor. The pastor says to him, I need to tell you folks that you're not welcome on this property. You need to leave. And then they they tie tear into him. They call him every name in the book. They just they, they you know you're a liar. You're a son of a bitch. You won't take the polygraph test and all this kind of stuff. And you're, you know, and and the and the big the big guy, 
uh, who's the big conspiracy theory guy, the loudest, the louder mouth of the two, is you know in his face. Look, I'm doing the God's work, and you're a demon, and all this kind of crap. And then the other woman is screaming at him and yelling at him, calling him names and all that. And the reverend, uh, the pastor, is showing incredible restraint. Now he's talking back to him. He's trying to tell him that you guys aren't living in reality, and you know you guys big mouth and that kind of thing. Well, the police show up and arrest them and take them off. And let's see, they are arrested for what are the charges? Uh, the two of them are arrested for trespassing and resisting arrest. Uh, the 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 asshole dude was uh, also charged with terroristic threats and possession of marijuana. <laughs> dude, smoke a bowl before you do that. Maybe it'll mellow you out. I mean, there's some evidence there that maybe maybe marijuana doesn't make everybody agreeable, okay? <laughs> or maybe he sells it. Maybe he doesn't even do it. Um, and 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 it's done like any kind of interview show that they show this footage and then they have the pastor set aside and he's talking to whoever's putting this together and he's telling him, he says, "Look, in my, in my younger days." I, I I might not have been able to hold and, and you know kept my cool and I would have gotten gotten into a fight with him which is what which is what the major shit stain wanted to be done and he, 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 that's what he wanted but he's and, and this pastor knew that and he also knew that he needed to tell these two people you are not welcome on this property you are trespassing. He needed to get that message directly to them because then he knew the law could do something at that point. And they did. Cops showed up, took them away. And I, that's what, and so I really commend that pastor for keeping it under control. But those two, I mean, they don't even get Dimland Radio Science zeros. They're just too reprehensible to even be given any kind of consideration like that. They are just... Two of the worst people I've ever seen, and and again, kudos to the pastor for keeping his cool. Now I wondered who made this video, uh, and I I think I don't know this for sure. It's my guess. I'm speculating here. It's my guess that there maybe it's like a f news film crew that or or a documentary crew that you know were they might have been working with the pastor and the, and his church to to get these people arrested maybe you know by 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 getting involved with these two these false flaggers to you know, say, look, we want it. What's your story? Please tell us your story, and we'll take you. You know, we'll go where you want. You want to go down to the church? We'll follow you. You can explain what's going on and do all this kind of stuff. And and so they, you know, because it's, it seems like it's a third party doing that part of it. So I'm my my guess is that they might have a little bit of work between the two to get to get this to this point to get these people arrested and maybe do something about it. There's a person in there. In this video, he's interviewed. He's a fellow that uh, debunks these these conspiracy theories and this false flag nonsense. And he's kept anonymous because he's he doesn't want the kind of threats and crap that that's got people got to put up with with these guys. <clears throat> and he talks about he worries that it's only a matter of time before some of these these extreme false flaggers uh, take it into their minds that it's a good idea to go after these crisis actors, the ones that are putting it on, and somebody's going to get hurt. 
and uh, we'll see. <laughs> if that happens, I'll say, well, that guy was right. I'll mention it on the show. Uh, let's see. Um, I only have just a few moments here to do this. I'm not going to do the three cool things this week. I don't have a movie recommendation for you, but I can do that next week. Uh, I haven't talked about The Who in a while. <laughs> Couple of things. First, I want to say, Watch Mojo. You have these. You know what Watch Mojo is? It's a. It's a. It's a YouTube channel. And so these YouTubers and they're professional. I think they're affiliated with Mojo Magazine. Maybe uh, they put together a top ten list every day. Uh, and and it's uh, you know music, movies, books, pop culture stuff. It's just uh, top ten every day. And some of them are pretty good and interesting. And some of them, <laughs> they did one where <clears throat> it's the uh, top ten uh, most exciting or electrifying live acts of all time. Rock music acts of all time. Li- live rock bands. And I'm I'm watching this, and I'm and I'm thinking, of course, the Who need to be in there. They better be in there. They should at least be in the top three. Okay, they ought to be in the top three. So I started watching the video, and they're going through. You know, we're gonna, you know, today we're gonna do the, uh, you know, the most electrifying, exciting live bands of all time. You know, if you want to see the more recent ones, check out our other list. You know, check the show notes and you know, see the other list. And num- number 10, number 10, number 10, The Who. And I just went, what? Now, I know I'm a bit biased, but 10? I mean, I didn't even, well, <laughs> I was going to continue to watch it, right? I was going to continue to watch it, but the little sh- shithead... <laughs> The little, the little dumbass that was doing the voiceover, some fellow, some kid who doesn't know shit about shit, <laughs> called Pete Townsend, Pete Townshend, twice. Pete Townshend? You don't even know how to pronounce his name? <laughs> I, I mean, I was watching a little bit of it tonight. I tried to get a little bit farther along in the video. Just a little bit farther along, but I got to number nine, and number nine was was Black Sabbath. Now I I, I would not put Black Sabbath ahead of the Who. It's just sorry, you know, because the Who at their height were better than anybody. Now, again, I'm a bit biased. You may think of bands and think you know that Nickelback was fantastic live, but that's your opinion. You're just wrong, but it's your opinion. That's fine. It's great, but I mean, I didn't, I, I didn't listen to the thing long enough to hear if the kid called him Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> he said, "You don't even know how to pronounce the man's name." Isn't there somebody to fact check you to listen to uh, uh, dipshit? It's Townsend. Townsend. And there was another video I saw done by these guys. Now they don't have the same people doing the voiceovers every time. There's usually a, uh, it's usually a woman that does most of them, and she's really good. She pronounces people's names correctly. I swear it's got to be the same kid that did this other one. And one of the bands that comes up is the Eagles, and he talks about you know the one of the guys that's in the Eagles, Glenn Frey, Glenn Frey. Man, 
I, you know, uh, I should have played this before I even got started, but uh, I, I have to, I have to do this. I have to. It'll make me feel better. No, no, not that one. This one. Uh, you know, I watched the um, Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. Uh, they did uh, a three-hour-long um, live show, video show through Facebook. And they they had George Robb as a, uh, uh, as a guest on there. And they talked about how much time it takes for them to put together their shows, how much editing they do, how much... You know, glopping out of the ums and the ahs and the mouth clicks and all these things. And now I do my show differently. I do it like a live radio show. I sit down and I talk for an hour and a couple minutes. That's what it's been working out to lately. And I just, you know, in George Trop, he does his show on his own. He does the same kind of thing. He edits it. It doesn't. He does. You know, the amount of time it takes him to do it, and he does all these skits and bits and, and all this stuff and he's great and it's fantastic and I sat and I thought, I don't know <laughs> uh, I wish I was better at this but I just, I don't have the time to do what they do and I don't know how they have the time to do what they do I'm glad they do it but I, I, I just do the show like a radio show like a live radio thing that's how I started doing it and I, it's just how I do it and some shows I Make a goof like that one. Some shows, I flow really well. I think I did that for most of the show tonight. But, I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Oh, I'm waiting to hear something. Good night, oh, there it is. Good night, Frau Blucher. Yeah, well, okay. Uh, you've, you've been listening to Dimland Radio. I mean, be skeptical and extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And uh, I didn't get to half the stuff I was going to do this week, so I got more for next. Uh, this has been Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. And I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, reminding you all to sleep with the lights off. check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. 
Well, I'm going to hell. hell.